All right, you ready to tip this bitch over? And see if she's got any milk? Which... <laughs> <laughs> Same since cats. gentlemen welcome to my uh only zoom meeting that i give a fuck about the movie blues podcast hey. <laughs> i'm dan lyons i'm dan and um and we're here to uh discuss one movie and one movie alone and that is hereditary by way of the parent trap the lodge <laughs> dude so i couldn't remember the name of this movie the entire time that we were talking about it so when i went to go download it i mean purchase it on vod yeah um I couldn't remember what to search for, and I was going, digging back through our conversations, trying to remember what it was called. I knew it was the something, and I kept typing, like, the house, the cabin. Like <laughs> You were so like, close. And I, so I finally went into Google, and I was like, new horror movie, the Book of Henry, like, <laughs> and found it. And then you so, ended up just rewatching the entirety of the Book of Henry. So my notes, I, I kept forgetting the name of it, even when I was like suggesting that we watch it to Cat. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept being like, eh, it's it's whatever horror movie that Dan recommended. Like that I need to watch for the podcast. The I Black Coat's Daughter too. So, so yeah, exactly. So here's what is this backwards? Oh, it's probably backwards. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, folks, auditory medium, but uh, Dan is holding up his phone right now again. <laughs> We are separated due to COVID-19, and uh, Dan is just letting us know that his uh, faux title for today's movie, The Lodge, is Spooky Henry. Um, <laughs> That's how it, how it is in my file where I was taking notes. Like, uh, I, t- I titled it Spooky Henry. <laughs> that, uh, if that's not somehow worked into the title uh, of this episode, I, I our jobs are worth nothing. Um, so, um, today, uh, to clear up any confusion for those who have absolutely no idea what the fuck is going on in this episode so far, Dan and I watched a brand new movie um that not movie, to be confused with the hunt that movie i was very excited for because uh it's from two foreign directors who uh made another movie about gaslighting um and it was really really good it was called good night mommy um it was a really scary really twisted movie that actually has a lot of parallels to the movie that we watched today um, I think this might be their first American language effort. I might be wrong about that. I think that is true, though. Um, but what really drew us uh, into doing this movie for the podcast is not because it's new or because I was excited for it. It's mostly because of the actor Jaden Martell, um, who is uh, the main character. Movie blues hero. He is pretty much the movie blues hero. He's on the pedestal he's, he's up the, there with Joan. He's the patron saint of the movie blues podcast. Um, our idols include um, Saint Joan yeah, and uh, then uh, Colin Trevorrow. Archbishop Jaden Martell. 
Tell is, um, <laughs> he sounds like a Game of Thrones character. He's um, clearly an altar boy at best. If you need a visual image and you're too fucking lazy to Google, I, I would say the best place where you'd know him from is from It, chapters one and two. He is uh, Bill Denborough, the main character uh, with a stutter. He is um, pretty much popping up in everything these days. Uh, a lot of people recognize him from Knives Out. Um, he is just, him and his career and this podcast, it's just an enigma. It's all tied up in with each other. Um, for example, Jaden Martell, this actor, plays Jacob Thromby in Knives Out, which sounds like his co-star's name from Book of Henry, Jacob Tremblay. And while Jaden plays Aiden in this movie, another tongue twister, he is currently starring in a miniseries <laughs> called Defending Jacob, which is about Jaden playing a character named Jacob accused of murder, thus making all three things I'm talking about not only tongue twisters, uh, but uh, they're all about whether Jaden's characters are complicit in bizarrely circumstanced murders. Um, so yeah, that's a little uh, time loop I tumbled into while researching for this episode. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty incredible that someone so young hands down has the most has movies disappointed me so many times the, the most re movies reviewed on this podcast i know uh, he's really he's got the mantle um knives out book of henry it chapter two it yeah happened yeah soon we're gonna have to watch it chapter two and then yeah. that's gonna be another one for him yeah he's leading the pack big time um and uh did you, know, you think when you thought we when you suggested starting a movie podcast that um the star, of, the star of Book of Henry would be the most covered actor of your of your cho chosen artistic medium. I also didn't realize that the Book of Henry would be a movie I would think about like once a week, <laughs> every week for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, and and to give everybody a taste of what we're talking about here, if you haven't listened to the episode The Book of Henry, um, we need to give you a little backstory because some of the conversation that we're about to have is going to be reflected upon that. And and also pause right now and just. Go listen to that episode. Yeah, pause right now and listen to it. Get, get in on, on the, the ground best. floor now before it enters the Library of Congress. Basically, we reviewed a movie that had come up that was kind of from left field. It got horrible reviews and destroyed a bunch of careers, um, including the director of Star Wars Episode Nine, who was fired and replaced by J.J. Abrams. Um, the long and short of that movie um, was that it hurt my feelings a lot and confused me. Uh, it revealed Dan to be some sort of like cop killing loving bootlicker of some kind some some sort of madman who uh, thinks that you are the tone. one who is revealed to be the bootlicker you are the ones who are the bootlickers <laughs> um so basically um, we're gonna fuck your cops while you watch and scream like little whiny bitch <laughs> basically like it's our the room i would say uh the book of henry is the movie that no, is no, baffled me the, the room most. isn't a good movie um, and um, uh, and the debate rages on. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, if you have not listened to that episode and you still refuse to for some strange reason, major major movie blues podcast for sure. Huge huge mistake to not listen to that. But um, how it relates to this one is that once you understand the plots and mechanisms of the Book of Henry. Um, it, it opens a window into why I contacted Dan and told him that this was going to be a necessary assignment for us. Um, firstly, the Book of Henry uh, is about our main man, Jaden Martell, who uh, plays a... Wait, wait, wait. So who's Jacob Tremblay? Jacob Tremblay is Henry's brother. Which is the kid from Good Boys. Yes. Man. Book of Henry launched careers. You no, know, it, it was the it was the stepping stone to greatness for everyone but the director like, and most it, of the stars. It's like when you think about like movies that launched careers, it's like Raging Bull. Yeah. 
Book of Henry. Yeah, oh, for sure. Two is enough. Two, two and done. Yeah, um, the rule of three is for cowards. So um, the Book of Henry um, basically revolves around uh, our boy Jaden uh, as a hyper genius a hyper-fucking-annoying and extremely cancerous child who <laughs> ends up uh, dying very early on in the movie. Um, and the rest of the movie revolves around him posthumously giving his mother directions over an iPhone on how to kill their neighbor, who is a cop abusing his daughter with a sniper rifle from her backyard to his backyard. Yeah, is that about a good enough synopsis, Dan? Yeah. The, 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 the underlying theme being that he is a Jigsaw-esque yes. mastermind of He's the web. He's a Willing mastermind. and able to weave. And and if I thought that his plots were at an end, I was incorrect because in today's movies, in uh, today's movie, he went back to full Tobin Bell jigsaw. Yeah. He's invented a new type of typecast. <laughs> yeah, like mastermind of, like, manslaughter. Autistic, autistic children. Yeah, autistic <laughs> manslaughter suspects. <laughs> Um, okay, so now we've talked about the Book of Henry. Um, it's an insane movie that has uh, basically plot twists that, if you didn't know anything about the movie, come off as very shocking, very jarring shifts in tones, and reveals kind of Henry to ultimately be somebody who's out of his depth and lost his mind, is some sort of sociopath who convinces his mother to do a murder um, when she could have just called CPS right. <laughs> and been done with it. Well... <clears throat> We're not going to... Yeah. Okay, yeah, that discussion is eternal. I've realized yeah. that argument will never settle itself. Dan, I mean, Dan it's, sees it's, it as it's a not necessary. an argument. The movie lays out the clear reason why <laughs> calling CPS is not an option. Dan, do you remember anything about the scores we gave the Book of Henry? Um, I think I gave it... Um, I think you gave, I think like I gave it a six or seven, right? I gave the Book of Henry, like... An eight out of ten. But I then think. you readjusted it. And then the it. following week, I lowered it to a seven. Yeah, and that was very sweet of you. But oh um, my god, I just realized that this um, movie. I have a whole note about how it relates back to the cannibal movie that I had to watch. Which one? Um, the that one I that you made watch? me watch in the second episode. Oh, Ravenous? Yeah. Um, this which movie? I just realized that Book of Henry is the one that made me go back and change my score for Ravenous. Because it was... <laughs> and then I have a note here about how this movie needs to make me change my score for Ravenous. Oh, wow. That's very confusing, but it makes me feel like you're saying you want to raise Ravenous's score. I mean, this they're both movies that feature random bursts of organ. Just someone <laughs> slamming on an organ. <laughs> In completely jarring ways. <laughs> And I was like, wow, I haven't heard spooky organ like that since the cannibal movie. So uh, let's let's get everybody grounded and tell them about this movie that they probably have not seen. But there is heard of because well, I didn't hear of it. I had heard of it. I mean, I keep my kind of ear yeah, to the ground to for the fucking ground of schlock horror. Yeah, of, of art house horror of, that gets amazing or rather reviews. schlock horror that people say is going to be incredible. <laughs> oh, this is going to get really that's, ugly later on. That's like that's like your wheelhouse. <laughs> this is going to be bad. I'm just realizing how how much I'm going to have to defend this movie in the next 20 to 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> 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 I'm really disappointed in myself already. So, how would you feel about going to the mountains for Christmas with Grace? She really wants to get to know you guys. That's our mom's hat. Oh, 
is this movie The Lodge about? Um, Richard Hall, an investigative writer, and he is played again by uh, Richard Armitage, uh, who I'll never see as anyone but a hobbit <laughs> or a dwarf. I don't know what you're referencing Oh, right you've now. never seen The Hobbit. All right, yeah. <laughs> take three. So yeah. the plot of this movie is that Richard Hall, an investigative writer... <laughs> third episode in a row where you drop a hobbit reference and then have to comment on the fact that I have no idea what you're Come on, about. man. <laughs> Richard Hall, former hobbit, an investigative writer... Uh, informs his wife, the, the devout Catholic Laura, who's played by Alicia Silverstone, that he wants a divorce following their extended separation so that he can marry Grace, a young woman who is the sole survivor of a fundamentalist Christian cult who committed a mass suicide. Okay, stop. So yeah, this guy's a writer. He basically goes to his wife. He says, I'm leaving you. I'm marrying someone else. It happens to be the girl that I wrote a novel about, or it looks like a website article from... <laughs> Looked like one article. It's <laughs> it's such a fucking like like plotty plot. Like um, so he uh, you know he tells his wife about it uh, and that he's gonna go leave her for. This is literally in the first forty five seconds yeah. of the movie. By the way, all of yeah. this for the sole survivor of a fundamentalist Christian cult. Um, cut to six months later, mm-hmm. and Richard announces to his children, including Jaden Martell. Uh, at Thanksgiving dinner that they will spend Christmas together with uh, Grace at the family's remote Massachusetts lodge to get to know each other. Um, And that is like pretty much the setup of the movie is that these kids, their mom commits suicide shockingly after the dad leaves her to marry another woman. And then the dad is pressuring the kids to spend a weekend uh, during Christmas break at their lodge um, over Thanksgiving dinner, like a month and a half beforehand. Yeah. So um, I was wondering, I I wanted to present it as someone who wasn't enthused about watching the movie or at first giving it my full attention sure i wanted to present my recap of the plot of this movie okay as also the child of divorce okay a child of divorce (laughs) and 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 just keep in mind folks that after that happens and they do actually go up to the lodge um 
to you know hang out with Grace, the new this their new potential stepmom. Um, of course, things go bad, and that's where the horror movie elements kind of kick off. Um, but from there, things get really fucking whacked. So yeah. I don't know what Dan will be alluding to here, but go ahead, Dan. No, so what this movie is about is about this um, this scumbag father <laughs> um, has an affair on Alicia Silverstone yes. with younger clone version of Alicia Silverstone. She looks way too much like Alicia Silverstone. Exactly like her no to clue, the point. No clue why. But. To the point where I actually thought that it was Alicia Silverstone <laughs> and didn't realize until midway through the movie that Alicia Silverstone was actually the mother who killed herself in the beginning of the movie. Seriously? Yeah. No, you were not paying enough attention then. No. Because so. for me it was like I saw Alicia Silverstone and was like holy shit it's Alicia Silverstone and then she blows her brains out 30 seconds into the movie and I was like yeah. oh my god <laughs> yeah so man leaves his hot old wife for a young clone of his wife who he was investigating as being a, a survival a, sur a survivor of pure trauma suicide cult then selfishly invites her to him and his wife his now dead wife's uh, family cabin with their children who have not met her, who do not know her, who want nothing to do with her. He, This selfish man decides to ruin his children's Christmas by bringing this woman along who he basically took off of the psych ward and then promptly leaving, them, leaving her to watch over his children alone with no cell phone service and no vehicle for the next week. Yeah, basically the husband leaves his soon-to-marry girlfriend who has a dubious religious childhood to accompany two young children who for a start resented her and only six months after their mother's suicide for a few days in a remote lodge at the height of winter in Canada's north just prior to Christmas to give them a chance to know each other. <laughs> I haven't seen a, a worse father yeah. since Hank in the Book of Henry. Um, ex exactly. <laughs> um, so, now... Uh, I could spend this whole episode talking about the parallels between the father of this and my mother. <laughs> <laughs> no. Would you like to? Is, is the no. real question. Luckily, I also get therapist appointments on Zoom. Luckily, someone <laughs> gets paid to do that. So our <laughs> listeners will be spared. <laughs> um, so yeah. um, uh, basically, they go up to the lodge and... Um, obviously, the woman who has escaped the cult is a little bit unsettled and a little bit... <laughs> Prior to the episode, Dan asked that I make more of an effort not to move my chair because the creak inter creaking interferes up. with the episode. <laughs> um, but listen, it's still smooth. Even when I'm sneezing. Um, where are we at here? <laughs> I don't know why you're describing my cock on camera. <laughs> oh, fuck. It's never too late for another cold open. Chop that and put it on a different episode. Um, so, uh, they go... Sorry, my moil already did that. Oh. Oh, moil it's a, burn. It's, it's a Chris joke. <laughs> I think this podcast is ruined, honestly. <laughs> I think since Cats, like, our, our ability to really form anything or do anything right no, is going to be... No, I feel like this is hearkening back to the, the early days, way back in 2019, of the Movie Blues podcast. Because mm -hmm. the, 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 the first year. episode was, like, nine and a half hours long. <laughs> we don't touch... We don't finish talking about the intro scene to Man with the Golden Gun until the hour and 15-minute mark of the podcast. Um... <laughs> 
Um, so, yeah, okay. Uh, they get to the cabin. Um, the dad immediately leaves after a day or two, right? Now, here, okay. This is, this is gonna be tough to get past. I think we could probably do an hour or more about this plot point alone, but we have to get through it. Um, the dad wants um, Grace, his new girlfriend slash former insane person, to yeah. make a good impression on the kids. And they arguably nobody on earth is knows better to what degree this woman is unhinged than this father. Yes, he, because he, he wrote has the wrote, book on wrote her. a book about her. That's about where he found her. <laughs> It'd be like if, like, the producer of like, Wait... It's not like he doesn't know that, it, it, that it's not a good idea to leave them alone together. Right, right. Um, It'd be like if, like, the producer of the Leah Ramini... Or, no, not Leah Remini. Who's the woman who leaves, uh, who left Scientology and now just, like, all she does is, like, rah, rah, Scientology? Leah Remini. Oh, I was right. All right, so it would be like if, like, the producer of that show started married, like, married David Miscavige, and it was like... Pepper. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's just move on. <laughs> you this podcast gave, is ruined. <laughs> you just gave me ASMR, by the way. You said, uh, no problem. Did you get a little, little, little speed bumps on the arm? Yeah. Um, so, uh, it, it, basically what we're getting to here is that the dad in this family who wrote the book on the insane of his significant other should know better than anyone not to leave the kids with this woman for any circumstance. Long story short, he gets a call from work that he has to go back to the office. He has to leave them for, what is it, two or three days? Yeah, right. Okay, so I want everybody to remember this moment because there are some plot holes that are bothering me about this, but so the dad leaves. The dad leaves them alone uh, with her, and then yeah. an escalating series of events starts Without to enough food, mind you. No, they're there was enough food. Um, an escalating series of events kicks off when everyone wakes up in the house and all the food and all the items in the entire house are gone oh, right. or missing. Um, all the uh, cabinets are empty. All of the um, supplies are completely gone. The generator, everything. There's no electricity. The water is off. So you get this feeling that she has brought some sort of dark presence with her from the cult. You get a feeling that you know, because you start to hear the the words of her father, who is the head of the cult, speaking over, uh, you know, in, in her dreams, in, in the hallways at night. And, you know, spooky things start to kind of gradually kick off where um, uh, Henry's like kind of doing his own thing, but the girl's getting spooked by all these different things and having these moody dreams. It's kind of the setup of any basic horror movie that takes place in that setting. There's it's, also a lot of like simultaneous spooky shots of dollhouses in the same scenario right. as that what they're let's, let's put a pin in the dollhouse thing because that okay. that is a huge thing too that we have to talk about when we get into the twist of the movie and, okay. and the actual thing of the movie um right. but but what dan is alluding to is yeah there are a lot of shots throughout the movie of a dollhouse that is a replica of the family lodge but is in the main house where the family usually lives we'll get back to that just put a pin in that in your mind um so the movie's playing on and spookier things keep happening. You know, now that everything's gone in the house, they start theorizing that maybe something could have happened. Maybe she is sleepwalking. Um, and then Henry reveals to her, well, you've been kind of clanking around at night and walking all throughout the night. 
Um, that's a pretty troubling addition to the situation. So you start really believing that she's an unreliable narrator and that yeah. she, who is kind of poised as a decent person from the outset, could be doing some nefarious things in her subconscious. I mean, maybe the trauma from the cult has caused her to want to hurt these kids or want to think that they're sinners or, you know, whatever has yeah. twisted her mind in her years of trauma and abuse in the cult is now coming up in this isolated, snowy, fucked middle of nowhere lodge. Um, throughout, you're getting a lot of vibes from other horror movies. You're getting The Shining. You're getting a lot of hereditary because there is... I feel like we need to spend an entire section of this episode talking about this movie versus hereditary. Yeah, well, this movie, the reason we keep bringing up hereditary at all is because this movie with the dollhouse <coughs> in, I mean, in hereditary, Tony Collette's character is building miniatures, um, and they're very similar to a dollhouse, and a lot of the scenes are playing out where you see recreations of the horrors of that movie happening inside the dollhouse. This movie has the same fucking yeah. thing. Like, like you, note for I'm, note. Yeah, I, uh, I only took five notes for this entire film. Mm. Um... The f and they obviously happen chronologically as I was watching it. Mm -hmm. So here's my first note. How are they going to do this dollhouse thing in a post-hereditary world? Okay, yeah. So that's the first yeah. note I put. So here's my last note that I put two hours later into this movie. Man, this movie is just unabashedly just like hereditary, huh? Well, the, I would say that they use the dollhouse for a different purpose in this one. We're going to get to that. It's not just the it's not just the dollhouse though, dude. It's like oh, it's there's, like there's the, a lot. The, I'm, the, I'm aware. I'm not yeah, trying to say it's not the I mean, cult-like imagery, the satanic yeah, imagery, hundred percent, hundred percent. All the but just there, the way the way she's acting in the in the whole after the climax, just like there is a fundamental difference though between this and Hereditary, and there is something. Yeah, that one I wanna, of them is a great film. Well, what, I I want to discuss kind of a something that's very meta about this movie and has been irking me and making me think really interesting thoughts about it. Um, so you have very obvious allusions to other horror films. You have The Shining in many of the shots and the way that it's set up in a snowy, isolated yeah, the place. Whole, the whole intro. The dog oh. is named Grady, which is a name from The Shining. Um, and then you have a scene in the movie where they're physically just watching the movie The Thing. Um, I loved that. And I, I kept trying to think about why that was. I kept trying to think about why the movie was wearing its horror influences so brazenly and whether or not that was on purpose and I've come to the conclusion that I think that some of that was very much on purpose I think that a function of this movie and we're getting up to the twist here because it's honestly the most important thing to discuss here it's when the movie A flew completely so far off the rails that I was flabbergasted yeah. and, and B found it so offensive and so betraying and just so sloppily done that I really turned on the movie hard. I did and, a and not hard only that, heel turn. Yeah, same, same exactly. And not only that, but the way that they present this twist is like, is so throwaway. Like, they don't even get, like, this twist changes the complete nature of everything you've been watching everything. for the previous hour and 20 minutes. And they give it no, like, there's no, there's no actual payoff for it at all like there's so, no there's no weight to it at all it's just like you realize pretty quickly what's going on and then it's like yeah well that's that's how it is these are the circumstances now um i i want to work up to the twist here we're getting really close to it but i want to mention that a couple other things happen in the movie 
such as uh, the three of them in their isolation and general insanity, uh, Henry, um, Grace, and the little girl, who we haven't really talked much about, was a really good actress. Um, I don't know her name or anything. Yeah, I haven't seen her anything. She was very good and she's truly very convincing. creepy. Um, and, uh, I, love, I love how they always pick like a, a, a little bit fat girl when it needs to be like a creepy girl. Oh, I made my skin crawl. Yeah, like, but what's like? What's their what's their deal with that? You can't make like a skinny girl creepy. This because fat girls have round heads, and and, and there's something very dollish about a round head. Yeah, let's go with that. All right. More info on this in our battered <laughs> in our battered house Dan episode coming up next August. <laughs> God. Um, so a couple other things happen. Um, the three of them in their isolation and craziness. Um, actually start to determine that, well, they're dead um, due to a faulty gas heater that they were using. Um, the more the night before they fell asleep and everything disappeared, um, apparently that was the inciting incident that killed them. Um, you yeah. see evidence of this. You see an obituary that's found out in the snow. Uh, and there's all, there, for, well, hold on. First off, there's a very, like, you know when you have those moments in movies where you're like, oh, wow, what, what a most, like, just, like, absurdly foreshadowing moment like that's so out of place and like just an unnecessary conversation it's clearly foreshadowing Mm -hmm. where like this whole this whole movie these kids are not interacting with this woman at all they don't care at all and then there's just like the one shot of them just like all on the couch couch just like ah and she's just like oh doesn't doesn't that heater smell weird is it supposed to be like that and Henry's just like, yeah, it always does that. And then and then she's like, okay, cool. And then that's it. I love that we've just taken to just calling him Henry. That's that's the constant here. <laughs> yeah. But, dude, what an absurd like what an absurd shot. It's literally they they included that as a scene, like treating us like fucking idiots. Um, so did you did you guess the twist early on? Uh, or? No. Okay. No. Okay. No, there's no world where I thought that okay. was going to be the twist. Okay, so me neither. Um so now the movie progresses and now they're dead. In fact, Henry uh, wants to prove that they are in the afterlife. So they're he, in purgatory. He hangs please. himself. And yeah. um, Grace comes upon him. He's hanging in the middle of a stairwell. And um, it's a pretty unsettling scene. And afterwards, he comes yeah. up to her. It's he's kind totally of like very fine. much like you might. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, again, no. But you're mentioning all these movies. It harkens back to. I was getting a huge vibe of uh, The Others. Oh, me too, 100%. Because then you have characters that are dead inhabiting a house. So I was like, okay, that's the movie. Now the movie is they're dead, they died in this heater accident, and they need to deal with it. So now I think I'm watching a different movie. First I thought I was watching hereditary cult-like movie. Then, during the second act, you're led to believe, well, they're actually all dead. And that's a pretty strong argument considering the evidence that we see. We see a picture of them, of their obituary, of from their... um, uh, a tribute to them or some sort of event. First, um, first she comes upon, yeah, it's like a little handmade um, picture frame that's like in tribute to, and it's the, it's the kids, and it's like, yeah. why would why would they be that? Right. And the kids are terrified, but she also finds it digging it in the snow. There's this recurring theme. Early on, she falls through the ice, like in the local lake, and like while she's sleepwalking, is regularly going out and digging through the snow and bringing back these fucking treasures, mm-hmm. like. And so you, there's there's also a supernatural element because you don't know what's real, you don't know what's not real, 
even though we know that what's real is that she has uh, she comes from a, su- a religious hyper religious suicide yes. cult. There are implications that there are like satanic rituals afoot, where like the dad might still be alive and be yeah, like, of course, be, like fucking with her, and like, they make it seem as if he's you know calling to her throughout the movie and blah blah right, blah, right. and. Um, you know, the only real background you see from her is a scene where the two kids research her on the internet and watch a video of not only the preacher father who was the head of the cult, but a video that she shot herself uh, looking around at all the dead bodies in the cult. And every, I mean, so they they knew all of these details. It about wasn't her. on the internet. They, it was on their dad's computer. It was oh, right. research right, right, for right, his right, book. Yeah. Which um, is, and, and then the dad comes in, catches them, these two children, on his... That on his computer that he knows contains material like this and it's like what are you guys doing in here and Henry's like um I was just like researching for uh, a school project and she was helping me and it's late cause you know and like the dad was like okay cool, cool. Like, <laughs> back to your porn then children <laughs> yeah go, go on no problem um well, presumably that woman that you were just watching her fake her own death in a death cult right uh She's going to babysit you in a few weeks. Is that cool with you guys? Cool. We're good. All right. Cool. We're good. Um, So, um, and this, I want to tie this back down to uh, what I was saying about the, the heavy allusions to other horror movies. And when the twist happens, it kind of made sense to me in, in that they are purposefully leading you to believe that this is a horror movie. They are purposefully putting you in an isolated, snowy situation, which is a classic horror trope. They're filling the movie with tropes, left and right. They're purposefully leaving out evidence and logic in certain places, and 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 at, at all at once, I started to realize that this movie, kind of like Book of Henry, is is just filled with unreliable narrators, where I just like... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Where I just did not know... Um, what I was really watching and what is it about that that bothers me so much is just that like um, an unreliable narrator in a movie um, can be fun like that Ryan Reynolds movie that we talked about what was the it called? Voices. Voices, voices. Voices. Where he you know is presenting the audience with one reality and in, in fact it's another. Love that movie. But it also can feel like a betrayal um, and it's like I've adjusted my reality and entered your movie world so don't turn around and lie to me. It's an interesting thing that you said that because I was thinking a lot about along those similar lines and I think a huge part of it is that, you know, unreliable narrators are fine. You know, Fight Club is the ultimate unreliable narrator, but it works because you stick any novel with an unreliable narrator you stick with it the whole time because you have that consistent view. Novels, you know, it works, man. C- Catcher in the Rye, it works in movies too, though, man. But like, you take Sometimes. this movie, Riskier. this movie, not only were were all of the narrators unreliable, but it changed perspectives so many times. Like the first part, you're like, okay, this is a movie from the perspective of the kids. I thought it was first a movie from the perspective of the dad. Right, in the very beginning, Even before perspective the dad. kids. Then it's then it's the kids. Then we get to the cabin, and it becomes from the perspective of young Alicia Silverstone. I right. don't know who that actress's name is, but Riley this one. Keough. Okay, but it's it's suddenly it takes a hard switch to being predominantly from her perspective, while. We don't care about that character at all yet. Right. So, like, it's constantly swapping back and forth where, like, it, it, it's taking every... It, it, it's it's what you're saying. It's it's so trope-heavy. I have a note about it. just, like, it's easily the trope, most trope-heavy movie well, I've ever seen. But it's not presented in a hokey way at all. No. It's, like, for the first 
two thirds, I was like, this is like paying tribute to horror while also being subtle. Right. And then the twist happened. Right. And I've never, I dude, I, when's the last time like a twist happened that just fucking, like I was filled with like vitriol at that moment. Well, like, here's what's made me curious about all this. I wasn't sure coming into this whether you're gonna like or dislike this because sometimes this movies do this and we watch them and you fucking love it. But and again, Book of Henry is the best comparison because when that movie took a turn, somehow you were elated by it, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Because the turn it made was an insane escalation, whereas the turn this made was like a really—it was a sleight of hand. There was, it was there more was, of a magic trick was, than it was a reality. It, it meant honestly. that the reality for those characters was an escalation because the woman had been drawn so far into insanity by it all. But it meant the actual stakes had a dramatic decline. Um, I. I think that we should now bring out the twist, if anyone hasn't guessed it at this point. So we are worked up to the twist and ready to burst here. This is when this movie is either going to make you really mad or really frustrated and confused. (laughs) Um, There's really no middle ground. Um, But yeah, they unveil uh, the truth, and the truth is that... um, Wait, 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 wait. First, her dog dies. Okay, I mean, yeah. Her dog also <laughs> dies. The door is left open. The dog freezes out in the cold. And they bring it in, and for some reason, it's like frozen just in the rest of the movie, all over the place, dead. I don't know why that. It was just unsettling, I guess. But um, the yeah. point being, like, she's being driven to madness because, like, whatever supernatural force is making all of this happen, or like, she's in a world. Oh wait, dude! Like, there's so much compelling evidence that they're actually dead. Like, the clock says it's January something when really it's supposed to be Christmas time. We're gonna like, get there in a second, okay? okay I got a whole okay. list here that all we're right, gonna go through. Right, the right. long and short of it, guys, and how this ties into what I was saying, where the movie was making you feel as if it's a classic horror movie with some sort of creature, or some sort of ghost. Like they show the thing, which is creatures in the snow, and they reference The Shining, which is ghosts in the snow, and then there's all this cult stuff. So you're thinking, okay, cult stuff in the snow, maybe yeah. a demon, maybe something like that. Yeah. And they unveil that. There's no, so much possess- possession elements. Like. It's, it's actually none of that, guys. It's actually <laughs> that the kids in the family, uh, uh, Henry and his sister, have elaborately, and when I say elaborate, I mean more elaborate than the Book of Henry's scheme. They yeah. elaborately plan to <laughs> gaslight and make this woman insane, preying upon her trauma, her fears, everything that she knows is unwound by these kids who planned on doing all of this to her to exact revenge on her basically causing their mom to commit suicide and ruining their life. And it was harrowing. (laughs) (laughs) That twist, when it happened, and like you said, it was a weird reveal. They basically just cut to the kids opening a crawl space, and inside the crawl space is everything they took from the house, is everything that they hid to drive her insane. Yeah. All of the evidences, they have a tape player where they have tapes of the sermon that her yeah, father gave, her which father. they play throughout the that, house. It, no, dude, they have it. In On the, a loudspeaker system. They show it. It's in the attic set up directly above her bed in right. her bedroom so right. that while she's in bed at night, like, dude, they, they took her medication, like her antipsychotic medication. They took so her meds. She, so, like, she's already, like, struggling really hard. And they're, they're while she's in bed, they're playing from the ceiling recordings of her father's, like, suicide cult sermons. <laughs> yes. That they downloaded off the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how? Dude. dude. And like, and they, and they, and by the time they go to tell her this, she's in a completely catatonic she's state. She's catatonic. Like, like, 
Oh, they had she, found her repenting for her sins by kneeling in embers in the fireplace and, and like, just oh, burning herself. This and they has were gone like, too they, far. Were, they were like, oh, we fucked up real bad. And they it basically is just like Henry just like crying to her, just like telling her that they did like it was all a mistake. And but, like, but, but like, but but also thinking that that's totally fine. Like, like thinking that like that wasn't above and beyond behavior on their end. Like he's like it was just a prank, bro. Like, listen, basically, what's what's oh they show a harness to show that's how he hung himself. Yep. Yeah, and not only that, but they reveal things such as like now if you go back and rewatch the movie, all of the dollhouse scenes um, that are shown intercut throughout the whole movie interstitially, like throughout the entire movie, you're seeing recreations. Are are they models for their planning? Yes, Dan. Yes. That in the month between Thanksgiving and Christmas in the dollhouse in their room, which is a recreation of the lodge, they were plotting using models of each other, their plan on how to gaslight this woman into losing her mind. That's pretty good detail. Um, and, and here's the thing. I, this is what I have to get off my chest, really, about this. When I saw this movie, I fucking hated it. When I saw this movie, I really was mad about it. I really felt betrayed and confused and, and just, like, nothing made sense. Um, and in the two days I've had with it, you, you just watched it. Um, but in the two days I've had since seeing it, I cannot stop thinking about it. And one of the things that I always bring up on this podcast is there is a great power, whether the movie is good or bad, that if you can think about it for more than an hour, right? Like, think about all these movies we watch, like Star Wars and shit like that. Those are movies that if you think about for five fucking minutes, you realize how incredibly dumb they are. (laughs) There are very few movies that exist that when you think about it for more than five minutes, they become smarter. And this is one of the few movies I've ever seen in my life that challenged me and frustrated me at a level that first came off as really I did not like this movie. I would not recommend it to anyone. And and I still don't know if I recommend it to everyone because and that's why we're spoiling this movie, because it's it's more interesting as an experiment and it's more interesting as sort of an, an example of cinematic sleight of hand than it is as a a narrative that will pay off and give you what you're looking for as a horror fan, as a drama fan. This isn't about that. This is to me about playing with tropes on purpose to mislead and confuse. I mean, there's ostensibly no reason why she needed to be from a cult. The only reason that you can reason that the directors and the writers did that is because they wanted you to think that that was the MacGuffin. Yeah. And the, and the misdirection laden throughout the movie was intense and and frustrating. But at the and end also of the day... And also, dude, by setting the tone with that first scene of the mother's suicide, right. they were setting you up for like, okay, everything in this movie, I have to be on my guard because everything is could potentially be fucked right. at some point. Like, there's something underlying sinister to even the pleasant scenes. Because that suicide scene, I will say, is like one of the better shot fucking scenes I've seen in a bit. I was I was taken off guard by that. Now I want to talk about misdirection in in location to that scene and and what is the ultimate misdirection? The ultimate misdirection in this day and age uh, which it was on display in The Hunt, which is on display in many movies that I've seen is casting. Um, sometimes they cast someone as a literal misdirect. In this movie, one of the misdirects is casting Alicia Silverstone, who's maybe one of the only name actors in the film, 
uh, for a role that is literally 45 seconds long. And when she commits suicide, I think that's a great example of like, this is going to be a movie full of shit like this, yeah. where you think it's going to go one way and, and we're going to make it go another. Now, we've talked about movies that do that. We've talked about The Last Jedi to no end, which is a movie where a nerd sat down in his fucking underpants and decided what is what everyone thinks will happen. I'll do the opposite. I right. don't think that this is an example of that. I felt like this was an example of people who actually knew what the fuck was going on and knew how to fuck with American audiences. These are foreigners, the, yeah. the, the two writer-directors. I think they knew. Look, show them scenes from famous horror movies. Give them the horror movie score. Give them the cult background. This is shit that is in every American horror movie. Give them the spooky kids. Give them everything. And then at the end of the day, it's not a horror movie. It's more a psychological horror movie. It's more about two kids that decided to fucking gaslight someone and it was just fucked. I mean, from that point of view, it, I, I think that there's great merit to this movie. Um, yeah. I, I adjusted my score from literally like a three to I don't okay. know what I'm going to give it yet today still. But um, it, it definitely is a movie that has been creeping me for days now. So here, here's my deal is I did not hate it like you did on first viewing. I thought the twist was obscenely stupid and thought a lot of the tropes were unnecessary um then you know i knew i could tell how much you were struggling with the movie so i was like i have to like actually give like this whole thing some thought mm. but there was never a point where i was going to rate it a three when i came out of the movie last night i was like i'm going to give this a 6.5 6 point or like a 6.9 somewhere in that range i was like it's not seven range like i was like i really did i was intrigued by what was going on um for a good amount of the movie there were a lot of parts where i felt were entirely hokey and unnecessary that would then what the twist ended up being made those things make sense mm -hmm. but then but it's hard so, so, to so, like so, it's hard to like a movie that betrays you like that right and then and then doesn't pay you for that damage it just offers a different explanation i mean i felt like i felt emotionally Scarred from just like having that movie happen to me for whatever reason. I I didn't feel that way at all. I felt it was I saw what it was trying to do with subverting your expectations as a horror viewer, which like you know I feel like horror viewers are the most not cynical, but they go into everything ready to predict exactly how the movie's gonna go within as quickly as possible. Right. And this movie really played on that. But when I went back over it, I was like, despite all of the the cleverness and philosophical like intent that I agree with, with what film should be for, I at the end of the day, that can't be at the expense of just like the most ludicrous fucking plot holes ever. Just like and just like stupid fucking absurd characters. Well, let's talk about some of those plot holes, Dan. Let's go into some of the details. So I have a question right off the bat here about a plot hole that I'm I'm struggling to understand. Okay. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. When the father says I got to go to the office for a few days right. and leaves them alone. Yeah. Now they've been planning this for months. Yes. They do not know, do they, or do they not know that the father is going to be called away? They do not know. Because how was any of this planned with the father being in the picture? So if he I, were there, would the gaslighting have been the same? So, right. So there's that. 
I read, I was reading theories all night. Yeah, I, I couldn't was, find any theories. I, I'm I, interested I was, I was, I was reading discussions on Reddit. I was reading, um, I read one synopsis of the movie where in the plot synopsis, it described the dad of pur- pur- purposely setting up this trip for the kids to bond, which that is a ludicrous explanation because that You're would make him- You're saying that the dad purposefully set up that he would have to leave so that the kids would be forced to spend time with her. Yes. That's possible. It's, yeah, it's possible. But I don't it was know. not in the movie. But also, think. no father would leave their kids on a, with no fucking cell phone service. They had no cell phone fu- service. Oh, you're right. They did have cell phones. They had everything, oh, Dan. Oh, you're right. And the girl was they calling were totally the, fine. the dad. The girl was calling the dad every single day to make sure that they were fine. Another plot hole. So there's a scene where the girl is calling the dad, which uh, just so everyone I forgot knows, about that. the cell phones all lose their charge because there's no electricity in the house. Right. Um, so the cell phones lose their charge. There's no food. There's no items in the house. There's no cell phones to call the dad. Um, but at one point, Grace hears. Uh, the little girl speaking to someone. So she bursts into the room and it it seems as if the girl is speaking on the cell phone when in actuality she hands her the phone and the phone is dead. Later on you find out that she was in fact talking to her dad on the phone. Right. Um, But when Grace picks up the phone she cannot get it to actually turn on. It's 100% dead. She, She clicks the power button. But I thought that was a plot hole, but now I'm thinking that there is a possible explanation. The possible explanation would be that let's say the girl is calling the dad every day. Well, regardless of that, she might be still faking to do a phone call just to fuck with the girl's head further. Yeah, but also, like, even... No, we know for sure she was calling the dad every day, but... Right. The, the but point uh, what I'm saying is the, that may the, not the have been an example ne- of it. I, I don't care. The point is the dad would never be okay with just talking to the youngest, most childish person of that situation being right. away for days. He'd be like, cool, let me speak to the adult in the fucking house. That is a plot hole. Definitely. Like... His involvement and his lack of urgency about it was definitely a plot hole that I could not avoid. the first time they have ever hung out with this woman, ever, and he's leaving them alone for three fucking days in the middle of fucking isolated Canada, and not a single time he's going to check in with them, knowing full well that those children hate her guts. Henry is his son. Surely he has some indication that he's a fucking violent sociopath of, like, advanced capabilities mentally. Like, he's just like, he's like, okay, well, I talked to the seven-year-old. She said, we're cool. Hmm. I can't get past that, man. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. No dad would go run to work in that situation and not pack up the kids and the psycho that he picked up from the fucking psycho facility to write a book about and not bring them with her, with him. I I think this brings us to an important point. Does everything line up in this movie? No. Does the acting line up to to show that these characters were planning this? I rewatched the movie today knowing the twist, and there are subtle scenes. There are, like, for example, when she initially starts questioning Henry about it, and she says, where did all the shit go? What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Um, he did not respond initially. He just stood there and was completely blank-faced. And I originally read that as, oh, he's just in shock and doesn't even know what to say to her. But now I'm realizing, and as I watched his performance, you see his lip even trembling, that he, seeing her first initial reaction to the gaslighting procedures, was reacting really strongly, and he almost broke and was like, chill. No, when I watched it the first time, I thought... 
at that point that they had moved all the shit and that when right. she was yelling at him that's what I thought I thought that was him being like oh fuck we're caught and another part of the plan and then that, the movie convinced me that they didn't do that another part of the plan that Rachel brought up that doesn't make sense is like uh, their plan basically to move all the shit to do all this shit at night while she's sleeping is basically solely based around the knowledge that she would either be a heavy sleeper or no, somebody no 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 I figured that one out okay um, so the scene right before that is the first time that Henry's nice to her, it, which is the scene after he watches her in the shower. Um, okay. And like, th- then he, um, they're all sitting, it's, and he brings her like a, a cup of hot chocolate. And it's presented like that's to show like, okay, Henry's warming up to her. But like the implication I think is that like he put like sleeping pills in her. Jesus Christ. Shit. And there's a lot of stuff like that throughout this movie. When I went back and rewatched it, I was able to make a lot of excuses for many things, such as like the snow angels, shit like that I mean what what is that what is that about that shit is crazy they just went out and did it (laughs) It they just went out and did like 50 snow angels outside of her window just to freak her out yeah I mean, all I just, of it is explainable, I, and that's I what's mean, so wild yeah, about a movie that... As long as you live in a movie universe where, well, where it's, it's a f- any person with a mental illness has this one magical cure-all pill that if they don't take, their whole world turns into fucking right. schizophrenia world. Um, you know, and, you, you know, but to defend Book of Henry and not try to defend this movie is impossible, yeah? Dan is paused and, <laughs> and and realizing that there's a shred of truth of it and it hurts. It hurts. I don't I, I don't see them quite as comparable as you seem to. Right. I mean, I'm reaching a little bit, but it, it, just in terms of, you know, a, a movie that presents a reality that is wild. Like, we did agree that the events of the Book of Henry, regardless of their presentation, yeah. are absurd and would be extremely difficult, improbable, and full of yeah, potholes. Yeah, yeah, totally but ridiculous. But still, at the end of the day, you were able to accept that at a level that, you know, to say that it's hard to believe that kids can do some snow angels and gaslight an already insane woman, it's, it's not too implausible at the end of the day, or as implausible as it's presented or seems. Except for the fact that it wouldn't have worked if the father was there and right I mean, and who knows but who knows it may have dan like if all they needed to do was drive her crazy if they would have driven her crazy it wouldn't have mattered whether or not the father was there okay wait. and i don't think the father would have presumed that it was all yeah the kids i mean either. he's already proven himself to be the most self-absorbed moron ever exactly Here, here, here's another thing about that like why is he here, here's another thing about asshole. that father of the year um finally um well, whatever. Spoilers don't matter at this point. It's been nothing but spoilers. In uh, the the dad, like you think she's finally snapped and she's about to kill the kids. The dad shows up at the house. You think finally gonna save the day. Um, oh yeah, when the dad was at the cabin with this known fucking lunatic who is on heavy sedatives just to like function through life the first thing he does is show her where the lockbox with the revolver is and then take her outside to teach her to shoot it yeah oh my um, god he she, leaves she, her with a gun i forgot yeah, she, she, she immediately <laughs> so she immediately reveals to him that she's extremely proficient at shooting yeah <laughs> won't explain why and then he still leaves them alone for with a while a with a gun 
So he gets there. Which, by the way, she then uses to kill him later on right. in the movie. So, when he returns. So the whole thing was that Henry convinced her that they were in purgatory by showing that he could hang himself and still be fine. Turned out that was an elaborate harness sleight of hand. Um, so then she, <laughs> so the sequel so, to Book of Henry. So then when she has fully snapped, she's walking around with this revolver and shows the dad. And she's like, look, look fucking purg oh by this time it's shown you it's become clear that what she is seeing is totally different than real reality so she's like look and she pulls the trigger imply and nothing happens showing that the implying that the gun is empty but the the presumption is that in the fantasy world that she's living in she just proved that she shot herself in the head mm. so, that, so then she goes to shoot it at the father to like make the point and um the dad is literally holding on to the gun has so much time to do anything besides have the revolver pointing directly at his head. And what he does is hold it and try to talk to her while keeping it held directly at his head. And then she pulls the trigger. Turns out there was a gun in that uh, portion of the chamber and uh, shoots him directly in the head. No person who is dealing with a person with a gun is going to negotiate with them while holding the gun directly to in front of their face. Uh, again, though, this guy is a known ass. Yeah. All right. So. So look. What is the reality? Is th these uh these children both probably walked in on their mother having shot themselves in the head and then watched their father get shot in the head. Yeah, and and you know what? They deserved it. Yeah. Because for sure. they they were naughty. I mean, they didn't deserve it about their mother. <laughs> All right, Dan. I am going to need. I got my trusty board here, as you can see in the webcam, somewhere. Um, I'm going to uh, need your GGR for the 2020 film, The Lodge. Um, <coughs> I think I'm going to give The Lodge a seven out of ten. Wow, that's pretty high, man. I um, I, I was I was because is that what you came into this podcast thinking you were going to give it, or no? I came into the podcast thinking I was giving it a six point nine, but um, you tell it, revealing about the dollhouses being models. That hadn't occurred to me, and I think that's clever, and that gave it a couple more points. I was, like, doing the 6.9 thing because I was, like, there was enough that I liked about this movie that I wanted to call it a good movie, but I hated the twists so much, and I hated the plot holes so much <laughs> that I couldn't call it a good movie. Fair enough. But now, throughout this, I'm realizing to counterbalance that, there was a lot of shit that, like, gives it replay value. Yeah. Um, so, I... I, I it, Although, like, if something's a 7 out of 10, I feel like that's also implying that, like, I would recommend it to someone, and I totally would never recommend I, this movie to I someone. I would recommend it to, like, a cinephile. Yeah. Not I even a horror it. fan. Yeah. Like a cinephile. Um, all right. Well, uh, I'm going to give this movie a 7.5. I felt very good about this movie. Not upon initial watch, but in thinking about it and discussing it, I decided it's really good. Um, and that means that this movie, unfortunately is not the number one uh, for the season so far. Um, that award is bestowed upon the hunt. <laughs> so somehow we rated that more than this. So we'll have to look at these. I say at the end of the season, we look at all of them and we're allowed to do a point two, like a, a one to two point yeah. adjustment per score to get everything leveled correctly. The hunt was definitely a worse movie than this. A hundred percent. So yeah, we need <laughs> we need to work on that. And uh, but here's the thing, though, we score comedies on a different scale. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's like, true. Like 
we for horror we live in a world such where, as Sonic, which you gave a seven as well as this movie. Right, that's in this in the scheme of shitty kids movies for sure. I give Sonic a seven. Or Jane Silent Bob reboot, which you gave point one more than this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, Jane Sonic reboot's really not good. Uh, thanks for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm gonna have to dock some points off of. Um, uh, thanks for listening to this episode, guys. We're gonna actually end today uh, with. Uh, I went looking through IMDb to try to see some user reviews for this film. Uh, I ended up stumbling in on a bunch of insane people who deeply need psychiatric help, um, and I want to share some of those uh, notions with you. Um, uh, uh, here's a review. Um, it's a one out of ten. Um, <laughs> in the Thanksgiving scene, why were there so many turkeys? So does every person at dinner get their own turkey? <laughs> I'm wondering because there is only a four-person family, and I counted seven turkeys. Seems a bit excessive, but that could just be me. Did anyone else have an issue with this? Because I haven't stopped thinking about it since I saw the film. <laughs> Okay, what, wait, so what's your, uh, you found ways to explain away everything. What's your explanation for that? I, I, I didn't go back and look at that scene, but I, I really want to now. Um, uh, Jake M, uh, two days ago said half a star out of 10 and Jesus. said, said this movie was so bad that I made a Rotten Tomatoes account just to let people know how shit it truly was. <laughs> cool, Fuck. dude. Um, uh, Mike on March 7th, 2020 said, not a great movie. I wish I would have watched a different one. One out of ten. <laughs> I feel that. Uh, Jody B said on February 24th, could have been good if it wasn't so bad. Half a star. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready for some? Uh, here come my two favorite ones. <laughs> I need you to really prepare yourself for these two. Because okay. these are out of fucking <laughs> a different galaxy. Damn you, all capital, all capitals and two thumbs down emojis. Damn you, comma, three <laughs> sleepy guy emojis. Like sleeping. Spent money sign for nothing, but the Lil Pizza Hut pizza and beer was the best part. I think he's reviewing the theater he went to. <laughs> On Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> That's what's happening here. <laughs> what a moron. <laughs> I mean, who would... <laughs> it's it's so probably bad. like my grandmother. Oh my god. Alright, and then the last one. Same, same deal. Reviewing the movie theater. Same deal. <laughs> Angel from February 9th, 2020. One star. Movie theater is not the best and felt as if I was in a graduation ceremony. Okay. What does that mean? I don't know. Was he like, was he like tripping? I, um, I, uh, accidentally deleted my, my entire pad of notes for this movie. So. Or I did the kids hide them under the house? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do remember that one of them was just, I never knew I could be so satisfied just watching a woman eat a sandwich for so long. <laughs> Because there's one scene that's just like 45 seconds of her just eating a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> All right, people. Um, with that glowing recommendation. Um, yeah. I would uh, like to thank all of you for listening. Um, and um, anything else you want to add? Um, that 
I was drawing parallels between Henry's general vibe and haircut with uh, Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 3 whenever he becomes, like, spooky <laughs> Tobey Maguire. Um, some facts about um, uh, Jaden Martell, the actor that we keep referencing here, Henry. Um, he, he's actually one-fourth Korean <laughs> and from Philadelphia, PA. Really? Good times. Wow. Can we go, like, hang out with him, you think? Maybe his parents. Wait, do you think we can get him on the pod? Oh, my God. Well, stay tuned for the developments on that, people. He's the patron saint of the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right, everyone. Bye. <laughs>